Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is up, Wizards fans? Welcome to another Believe in Wizards podcast. As you know by now, the Wizards finished uh, exactly where they finished during the regular season. They're going to have the eighth pick. Sort of no surprises there. They were shockingly close to getting Victor Weminyama. It's been reported after the fact. Let's ignore that and keep it rolling on who's available or makes sense with the eighth pick. We did a prospect profile already on Cam Whitmore, so go check that one out. We're going to do these sort of shorter micro episodes focused on on the prospects that really make the most sense for the Wizards or are realistic in that range. And then maybe once we clear through there, we'll do some some sleepers or guys like that that maybe make sense with the 41st pick or I don't know if we have enough time, even maybe the 59th pick. So uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, again, Cam Whitmore episode was up already and check that one out if you haven't. This one will be focused on the sort of Arkansas contingent. So the main one is Anthony Black. I think that's the guy probably most realistic with the eighth pick or the Wizards of this group potentially, but Nick Smith Jr. maybe has some great uh, workouts and things like that and, and re-raises his stock as a guy that, that came into the year with a lot of top five buzz. We'll talk a little bit about him and what teams can expect for him. I'm irrationally high on both guys, so I'm going to lean toward my guest today. I've got Jacob Davis. He's the owner and publisher of Hog Country and the Hog Talk, also on the Believe Network. And uh, you know he, he just does a great job covering all things Arkansas uh, sports, so he'll be able to talk about you know what they really saw every game for this team throughout the year. I've watched these guys each probably play about a dozen times. I would say um, the Nick Smith high school team. I would encourage anybody to watch if they're really down on him. It's just a different kind of player. The Georgia game was particularly impressive. He had like 26 points, about 50% from the field, above 50% from three. He showed off that sort of wiggle and bounce more than he had been able to previously as he was dealing with that knee injury. So worth kind of checking out the full slate of games there. And then we're going to talk briefly about Ricky Council Jr. and Jordan Walsh, both guys who could be in sort of the general mix for the Wizards in their second round picks uh, kind of range. So worth talking about them. They're interesting guys. So we'll, we'll touch a little bit on them as well. As always, we're brought to you by Stateside Vodka and Surfside Hard Iced Teas, Hard Lemonades, Hard Everythings. They're all delicious. It doesn't matter which ones you get. They're all really good. I will be having a couple this evening, uh, so that that's what I'm looking forward to once I get done recording this podcast. And also brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines, and the latest matchup reports for this year's NBA playoffs. Bet Online is your sports intel headquarters this season, as we have you covered for all your insider sports wagering needs from basketball, MLB, NHL, golf to UFC, and boxing. The fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your home. Get into the action today to join and make sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Okay, with that, let's get to my conversation with Jacob Davis. All right, I'm pleased to bring on Jacob Davis. He's the owner and publisher of Hog Country and the host of The Hog Talk, also on the Believe Network. Jacob, thanks for coming on, man. Hey, man, thanks for having me on. Ready to be, uh, ready to talk some hog ball. 
I'm a big fan of the must bus in general here. And I was really excited about this team as I'm sure uh, the whole fan base was. And, you know, I'd be curious to get your take uh, just at a, at a high level. Like, did they overachieve? Did they underachieve to me? I, I kind of had probably higher ex- expectations for them, but ultimately they did pretty good considering the injuries and stuff like that. Yeah. So, so considering the roster that Musselman assembled this year with, with four guys that are going to the draft and a pretty deep roster, they kind of underachieved. A lot of that had to do because of injuries. Nick Smith was injured throughout the year. Anthony Black played through uh, an ankle injury all year long. Hmm. And then you had Jordan Walsh, Ricky Council, who were also a couple of guys that are, that are in your reach too. Uh, Ricky, Ricky was the soul of this team, a guy that was consistent. He was he was gonna he was gonna get his every week or every night. And then Jordan Walsh, uh, another guy that that really developed down the stretch. So so yeah, Arkansas, they the longer the season came, they finally got it uh got it going, especially against Kansas. And and then, you know, the season was over. It it stinks that way, but you know, they they really came along down the stretch and and it was a really fun team to watch. I think that draw hurt them a little bit too. Like everybody ran into UConn, you know, oh got, got kind of smacked. So yes. they might have been able to go a little deeper uh, with a different draw there too. Uh, you mentioned Anthony Black. I guess maybe let's just start. I, that ankle injury piece is, is a little bit new to me. One of the questions we got from from listener here is Leonard Gray asked, uh, Anthony Black has great body control and focus in the air, but I haven't seen any videos displaying any real explosiveness. Does he have any? And, and I think he definitely does. Like I, I was on the Anthony Black is much more athletic than he gets credit for train all season. But, you know, there were times where he got like stuffed at the rim and stuff like that. If you're dealing with an ankle problem all season, I, I think that can definitely play into something like that, too. Absolutely. So when Arkansas lost Nick Smith to start the year, uh, teams kind of put the zone out there and. Black's ability, albeit raw. I mean, he he played football a lot. He was a wide receiver uh, for Dunkelville, Texas mm-hmm. High School. So obviously, he has the athletic ability to go out. Or he was a four-star wide receiver at one point, mm-hmm. a guy that was heavily recruited there, uh, and then he chose basketball to go with. So he he comes here, and Arkansas has this. They they build the roster around a. Uh, Trevin Brazil and mm-hmm. and Nick Smith. Well, both of those guys go. Both of those guys go down after nine games. That's and all so, you're shooting, basically. Yeah, that, yeah, you're right. And so they implement a zone, and so you know Anthony Black's ability to get to the rim is completely affected because they're stuck in the paint. Yeah. And so he he is a driver, a guy that if if you get behind him, like he's going straight to the rim, and you're not going to meet him. And and when they implemented zones and stuff, it kind of affected his play. And so the I think his points kind of went down a little bit just because uh, his scoring average went down a little bit just because of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same deal with Ricky Council, like your three point shooting's gone, and so you're just trying to do whatever you can to survive. And Anthony Black did a good uh, did a good job. He is a uh, underrated passer, a guy that made a couple of uh, no look passes throughout the season, especially at the rim. Um, and a guy that he can, he has hops too. I think he had a 34 inch vertical at the combine this past week. So he, he has a, a, a good, uh, a good vertical, a good burst when you're, uh, coming off the dribble and a guy that, you know, he shot 28% from three that can go up a little bit. Obviously you're going to be developed, uh, as a shooter, uh, when you make it to the NBA, but he has, uh, plenty of, uh, key attributes to be successful once he gets to the league. 
we talked about the spacing and, and the change from going to Brazil to either Mitchell twin or sometimes both Mitchell twins. But I think the other thing there was their ability to just kind of get out and transition too. And like the, neither of them are as explosive or dynamic as, as Trevin Brazil is. So I think that was a piece that really held Anthony Black uh, back a little bit too. When when he was most effective in like those Maui games, they were running on everybody and he was throwing lobs to people and like, oh yeah, you know, the, the vertical spacing provided by someone like Brazil also gave, you know, some added benefit to, to the other guys you mentioned there too. So I think that's um, kind of an underrated piece is just that they couldn't really play to his strengths, period. You're right. And, and so it, it just kind of, you, you couldn't get the whole picture of what Anthony Black is. And I think he's a guy that obviously he's going to be an elite passer, a guy that when he gets out in transition, you better watch out because he's going to find your, your Daniel Gaffords, another mm-hmm. Arkansas product, a guy that go. he runs the floor really well. Mm-hmm. He's a, he's a guy that's so talented, just oozes with so much athletic ability. But uh, I, you know, if he ends up being picked by the wizards, I think, that is something that he'll be able to to do is kind of expose opposing defenses uh, as far as passing the ball, getting out, like you said, in vertical transition and 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 getting in lanes and being able to, you know, he can drive it to the lane too. He doesn't have to give up the ball either because he's, what, 6'7", six, 6'8", six, and uh, has really good body control when he's up in the air. Yeah, he got stuffed a little bit. Just like we said, he, I mean, they were stuffing the lanes uh, as well. So, but yeah, he he is very dangerous in transition. Uh, he can he can shoot the ball well, but I think uh, his his key assets are are being able to get down the court and 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 really pass the ball and and make things more of a highlight reel uh, deal. I think uh, Washington will do really good with him. They, the Wizards have talked a lot about wanting to get out and run next year, and I think you know picking up the pace. And one of the things they struggled with was just you know paint penetration from the point guard position. And I think that's two things where he immediately upgrades your team, but also uh, I buy the shooting more than the percentages. He was 30% from three this year, 70% from the free throw line. Doesn't look broken to me. I think a lot of that was shot selection. Hey, I can't probe or penetrate. So I'm going to take a step back or, you know, he was the guy taking the shot clock grenades and things like that. So you know, two or three misses here and there, like that adds up over the course of the season. And and I think he's probably would have been closer to like a mid thirties, three point shooter, like just form wise. Oh yeah, absolutely. Cause he, there's nothing really broken. It's just like he said, uh, you know, he was, he was having to be the guy that steps up and you don't, when you don't have your just natural guys out there and, and Anthony is as good as he is. He just wasn't, you know, he may have just not been ready to take on the focal point. And, and you look at Maui, I think uh, when he went up against Creighton for 28 and he Mm. went up the next night against San Diego state for, for 28 or was it Louisville for 28, but the guy had like 16 against, uh, against whoever they play. I think it was San Diego state. Like Mm. that was the, the Anthony black that I thought we would get throughout the season and, and just, you know, injuries just kind of hampered it down. And, and he had to kind of, Musselman had to fix the flow of the offense and and what he wanted to do based off his personnel that he had at that time. And I think it kind of limited the athletic abilities of the Ricky Councils and Anthony Blacks. I'm just picturing him with so much more space on a bigger court with better shooters, with other better athletes around him. And, you know, his, his own ability, let's say the ankle was sort of a problem. 
to probe and get by people with the first step, get him on his hip. He's going to be big and long and, and finish over people. Uh, but also the shots he's going to get, those three-point shots are going to be more open than they were at, at any point during the college season. So I, I think that's the like the vision I have for him with the Wizards. And I think that's why he's probably my preferred choice for them to take. But uh, you know, th- there's some ifs in that statement too. I think the other one here is where do you see the defense for him? Uh, that's another area where the Wizards need a big upgrade is just pretty much every position defensively, but especially point of attack. Can he guard quicker wings in the, or quicker quicker point guards in the NBA? Excuse me. That's a good question because there, he didn't really play many true point guards this season. But when he guards the, uh, I mean, the perimeter, I think he's an adequate guy as far as uh, uh, playing defense. Uh, he he's going to stay in front of you. He may play maybe if if he has a guy that's two or three inches shorter than him. I think that there's a little bit of leverage. But if the guy he he's so long that he can make up for mm-hmm. for you know missing a step or two. Uh, he can still make up for his length and and still battle and and be able to uh, you know if a guy gets past him at the rim he can he can uh, bounce back and and uh, still make a play on defense. I don't think there's really any issue with his defense. I think he can he can really affect three point shooting just because of his length, like we said. And I mean he can still attack at the rim. A guy that I mean at six seven six eight he's a he can be an adequate mid range defender too. A guy that can probably meet guys at the rim. So he he is a very unique individual as far as uh, his size and his skill set, which I think is going to pay off uh, because they're really when you think about point guards, it's really rare to have a six seven six eight point guard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and sure. I think that's what sets him apart. I think he'll be a okay defender in the league. That's something the Wizards were seemingly interested in in last year's draft with Dyson Daniels out of the G League Ignite team. Yeah, to me, Black is is much more of an actual point guard. Like I, I can see Black being the primary offense initiator and and creator on an, on a team as a starting caliber guy. Uh, he may not be the best player on the team or the court or whatever, but but like as a right, you know, run the offense kind of guy. I, I don't see why he can't do that. Whereas with Daniels, I, I think he was more of like a secondary kind of guy. Uh, so, so to me, the fit is really clean here. You mentioned the defense wasn't much of a shot blocker, but had a lot of steals over the course of the year was really good at like sort of shooting in the passing lanes and, and shooting the gap and, and getting out in transition with that too. And I think that would help the wizards a, a little bit because it's not really like he was gambling. It was more just no. good instincts and feel for the game. It seemed like. Yeah. And, you know, I, I played basketball for years. I didn't have near the instincts that he had. Like he, he, you know, uses his, his wingspan, I think was six eleven and three quarters at the NBA combine. I may be thinking of somebody else, but I'm pretty sure that his, his wingspan being able to, unfortunately he was like only six, seven and he looks was longer. It six, seven. Okay. Yeah, I may but, be thinking of uh, Jordan Walsh then. Yep. Yeah. But Walsh yeah. was six eleven. Yeah. <laughs> So many guys this year, <laughs> like like you had to like. There's four Razorbacks. I'm trying to think of, but yeah. So his his wingspan, you know, plays plays a role. Being able to poke guys out, it's good instincts because you know he could. You, you think about being able to have a football background and mm-hmm. and knowing how to uh, have good body control and and where to where to poke thing uh, poke balls out and stuff. I think he's a. Uh, I think he has really good instincts as far as uh, having a natural ability to to play defense and, and offense at the, at a, at a high level on the NBA. It's like you said, like his offensive game may be a little bit behind as far as, you know, he doesn't have to be a scorer if he can go out there and, 
if he can give you 10 to 12 points a night, but also give you 10, 11 assists and, and seven, eight rebounds a night, I think that's plenty, especially for a, for a point guard of his uh, ability. Yeah, I think we'd take that at the end of the day if he can uh, if he can get to that point. I guess uh, what's he like off the court? Is this a guy that was well liked by teammates? Did he take on a leadership role, especially when these other guys went down? Like, what kind of dude is Anthony Blank? So Anthony, he's a character. Uh, I love him. So after Arkansas beat Auburn in the SEC uh, tournament, he turned around to the Auburn fans and just started waving. Like he's 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 a horsing around kind of guy. He's loved by every single fan in the uh, in Razorback Nation. A guy that is really respected, really loved. Will take time out of his day to at least you know make sure you're cool. You know, check in, see how you are. A guy that's just really popular amongst teammates. A guy that's a leader. People you know will go around him and 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 listen to him. And he's he's your coach on the court. You know, as, as generic as that saying is, that's really that's really Anthony Black. And and you know he he had his uh, interviews with the uh, at the NBA Combine and people just fell in love with him like he's so uh, humble a guy that's like hey hey he they asked him uh, well who what team do you have interviewing and he pulls out his phone and he's just like hey here's all the teams that are interviewing me you know uh, what do you think like I mean he's just a he's a natural born leader a natural. Uh, a people person and a guy that I think your fans would just love and 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 flock to. I, we love that, and I think that's one thing that we've sort of, I don't know, maybe made fun of a little bit as a fan base is that the last um, front office tried really hard to bring in like high cal, like high character, you know, high caliber dudes, and yeah, uh, we were like, okay, well, we also want talented high character guys, yeah. and, and I think uh, he he fits both molds. It sounds like. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you, uh, you will not regret if, if the Wizards actually draft him and then, uh, and he doesn't go any earlier than the sixth pick. Is that, is that where y'all are at? Right. Uh, eight, eight. eighth pick. Okay. But yeah, if, if he ends up falling there, like y'all will, y'all will definitely love him and uh, a guy that's a guy that's got character. And I mean, he, he's a humble guy, but also a guy that loves to have fun. And, and you want to have a guy that just loves basketball. There's another guy on the team here that similarly came in with a lot of hype and I think showed some love of basketball. It's Nick Smith Jr. This is a guy that was a projected top five pick coming into the year. Some services have had him as the number one freshman coming out at the beginning of the year and had just kind of a an unfortunate season with all the injuries and things like that. He got hurt on the international tour, came back and played when he probably didn't have to. And that's honestly, I think at his own expense, if he just doesn't show back up, Teams can focus on the high school tape and sell themselves on him, you know, as a top 10 pick still. And and now maybe he drifts somewhere toward the back end of the lottery or, or further if he has some bad workouts. I have heard anecdotally that he has done some private workouts for teams already and maybe is starting to look like the bursty player uh, that teams thought they were going to be able to see all season. So hopefully the knee's healthy. But I guess like did Arkansas fans expect him to come back from that injury? Because watching from afar, I really didn't. And I think that says a lot about his like character to do that. I don't think fans, the longer it went, I don't mm. think the fans realized that he was going to come back. I mean, I didn't think he was going to come back either. Uh, the longer it got into January, I'm thinking, we probably saw the three or four games that he played. Yep. That's probably all we're going to get. And that's okay. Like, mm. that was going to be okay with that. And yeah, he he came in and, 
he he looked himself in a couple of games where I mean he was he was just stroking it from three. A guy that that has a really good shot, really good form. Nothing's broken, uh, but his knee, you know, it just kind of lingered. And, and everybody's wondering, like, is he just gonna save off and go to the NBA? Which is totally fine. We've seen it before, and you know, it, it's a it's it's a circumstantial deal. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you want the guy to go out there and chase his his NBA dream, and I have no problem with that. And but yeah, he averaged like 13 points a game uh, last season. A guy that has really good, he has a really good burst with the ball. A guy that can stroke it. Uh, I think he's uh, as as good of a shooter as he is. I think he's more of a volume shooter. A guy that can get hot and get streaky. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he might. I mean, in college, if he would have been completely healthy, I'm sure we would have seen plenty of eight for the eight for twenty six, eight for thirty games. You know, out of him, just because he's that big of a threat. I think uh, you you have to you have to respect his athletic ability. Uh, he can really. He, uh, we talked about Anthony Black being able to have a good first step. Nick Smith is that kind of guy uh, with a first step. He can get behind anybody and and get straight to the rim too. Uh, and you'll have a relentless defender if you end up with him too. Uh, he's that fast. He stays glued to, to his guy. There's sometimes like like this past season where late in the year he would get lost off a of man, but that's just because, you know, he hadn't played. Right. He was unfamiliar with some of the defensive sets, maybe unfamiliar with some of the, uh, some of the players and their tendencies on the roster mm-hmm. as good of a coach as Musselman is. I mean, it's kind of a surprise, but when you're out of tune and out of, out of uh, uh, with your, with your uh, team, it's, it's hard to get back. And so that's, I think Nick Smith, the college experiment, didn't go as planned, but I think his NBA uh, potential uh, will be tapped uh, sooner rather than later. This is probably the guy I've watched the most high school game footage of, and I was just like blown away about you know his ability to just get away from dudes, like to create separation. He's shifty, plays with great pace. I thought he showed off some some point guard like characteristics at least. Um, whether he can be a full time point in the NBA, I don't know, but. The big concerns with him, I think, from teams are like finishing at the rim. He shot under 40% from two and things like that. To me, that's pretty much explained away by being a skinny freshman in a league where you didn't, one, didn't get to play through some growing pains earlier in the year in the non-conference. And two, even if the knee is healthy, you're still going to be tentative about getting into the lane and tangling up with bodies and things like that. So I'm less worried there. And the slight build, I think I've heard mentioned a few times and He's actually bigger, I think, than people realize. Like he looks like a legit six four, six five. Uh, but but everybody fills out. So I, I'm not too worried about his ability to like add strength as time goes on. No. Uh you think about Moses Moody, who came out of Arkansas. He had the same kind of build as what Moses Moody did coming out of high school. Moses had a plenty of offseason time because that was during the COVID year. He was able to get stronger and bigger. And I think that would have helped Nick Smith had he stayed. And been healthy throughout that summer, being able to be in those workouts, I think he would have been able to add muscle and strength. Uh, but yeah, being a skinny guy in a, a grown man league like the SEC this past season kind of hurt him, especially when you're skittish. Like when you're when when you are playing with house money, as far as being able to go into the league, then uh, very the I mean two or three months later, I, I would draw back too. I mean, yeah. I, I wouldn't be as aggressive uh, just because I know what my future is, but. 
I mean, I think he, I think NBA scouts will know that and they'll be able to see that in the private workouts. I think there will be no issue uh, as far as the knee. Uh, I think there was, I don't think it was really much of a torn or anything. I think it was more inflammation that they couldn't keep off the knee. And so once you get that off and, and you'll be able to come back with all your athleticism and all your, you know, you won't look more off balance. You won't take more of a, uh, uh, faders or, or, you know, and whatnot. I think Nick Smith is going to be all right as far as being picked in the NBA draft. Yeah. You saw him take some weird fadeaways. He like would do these bailout floaters where it looked like he wanted to yeah. drive into some, into a defender, right. but then sort of threw it up. And it's like, uh, I don't think that's a shot anybody wanted from him, but it, it's also understandable. I think the swing skill for, for Nick is if teams could envision him being an on ball guy in the NBA, even if it's next to, um, you know, the way Shea Gil- Gilgis Alexander for Oklahoma City plays next to Josh Giddy, and they can take a, a little bit of, of turns on on who creates, the, you know, that possession. Like he probably needs somebody like that. But at least if you can see him as an on ball creator some of the time, I think this is a guy that assuming he works out well for teams and he interviews well and all this stuff and the physicals go well and you buy the knees healthy. I would still take, you know, in the top 10 ish somewhere if it were me, I guess. Did you see enough from him this year that that you would buy into him being a top 10 caliber pick still? Absolutely. When I saw him in the overseas uh, uh, tour, I mean, he he looked the part. Yeah. Like, he he's so fast. And, and you're thinking, that guy's NBA. Like, mm-hmm. there is, like, Arkansas is the luckiest team in the world right now because they have Nick Smith, overall number one player in the country. When he came back, he still showed those flashes in the SEC. Yeah, they they you know he missed a few baskets at the rim and stuff, and his shot didn't didn't fall as good as it was in the summer, uh, and and during uh, early part of the uh, non conference schedule. But he looked good enough mm-hmm. to be. I mean, he he showed me enough that yeah, he's going to be okay. I think the lasting memory for people will be that tournament run where he kind of didn't look like himself. And and I think at that point, it's probably just like, let's get out of the season without without re-injuring anything. Yes. You mentioned the heart and soul of this team, though, was Ricky Council Jr. Or, sorry, Ricky Council the fourth, excuse me. Um, yes. Transfer from Wichita State, average 16 points, three and a half rebounds, two and a half assists, one steal. Turn it over a little bit, but... Um, shot 43% from the field, 27% from three, although he was an 80% free throw shooter. I'd buy the shooting with Ricky more than that 27% number. I think it's the same thing with Anthony where really trailed off over the course of the year when that spacing went away and had to take like more tough shots than he was getting when they were out and running and getting like clean, easy looks. Yeah. You look at the tournament run that they made against Kansas and, and uh, Illinois, and that was true ricky council the fourth yeah and he's a guy that he's not afraid to go out there and take those last second shots a guy that you know in the three he he doesn't really put much spin on the ball when it's coming off his hand so that you know leads to to more missed shots and stuff uh there's nothing wrong with his shot at all it's just you know it's it doesn't have as much rotation i think that can be fixed Mm -hmm. uh but a guy that he was he was clutched on the stretch uh the last uh, a few games, I think he, I think he was over eighty something percent from uh, from the free throw line. A guy that was shooting nearly forty percent in the tournament uh, from the field. A guy that 
he has a really good first step too. That's one of the things about this team was their elite guard play, the ability to uh, drive the lane. That's what this team was built around. And Ricky Council, he could get to the rim. He has really good body control. Uh, I would compare him as, as far as Arkansas guys go. Uh, there was a Jalen Barford back back about five or six years ago that played for uh, Mike Anderson. He's a guy that had really good body control too, and and him and uh, 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 Ricky Council were about the same size. So Ricky could really get to the rim. Uh, he can make plays. He's really athletic. A guy that was on Sports Center top ten almost every single week uh, for some freaking crazy dunk, whether it was a reverse, whether it was a windmill, maybe a tomahawk. The guy, if, when he's out in uh, out in the open uh, court, he will make a play. A guy that uh, I think your fans would just uh, be be happy to have. A guy that I think has a future in the NBA dunk contest too. I love that. Uh, yeah, we we definitely could use some athleticism, especially uh, some athleticism that could shoot. So I think if if we buy the shooting here, uh, that that's the swing skill for him. How was the defense this year from Ricky? Did he put that athleticism to use in a productive way on that end? I guess. So there was there was multiple times where he would be able to make plays at the rim. I don't remember exactly how many blocks he had, but there was one against Illinois uh, where Illinois was driving to the basket late in the game. I think it was either the tie or take the lead, and Ricky blocked it and he went the other way and scored a scored a on a dunk at the other end. A guy that's just a relentless defender. Yeah, he'll get a little bit discombobulated there on defense sometimes when. Uh, uh, teams are playing really fast, but he's a guy that he rebounds uh, pretty well. I think he, uh, I think he can, you know, be a key asset there. A guy that's uh, going to stay on top of uh, his uh, his uh, as a defender. I think he's a guy that can uh, really stay on top of the ball and and make plays. I think he can poke the ball away and and lead and transition too. So I think uh, you know, as as a smaller guard, I think at six four, six foot five, I think he's uh, has the same kind of traits that Anthony Black does as far as defense goes, and uh, he's he's really got some dog in him, uh, a guy that's really going to fight through uh, on ball screens and stuff too. So I think uh, I think Ricky's going to be okay as as a defender as uh, as a second round pick. I think this is another situation where he had like so much offensive responsibility for this team as the guy who had to put up close to 20 every night. And, uh, you know, maybe he can't lock in just as much when you're doing that. But if he's just a bench scorer in the NBA, like there's there's more ability to kind of put those skills to use. And then the last guy we've got here is Jordan Walsh, probably the most athletic of the bunch of a pretty athletic bunch. He's about six, seven. But like we said, that 6'11-ish wingspan, he averaged seven points, four rebounds, about one assist, one steal, one turnover, shot 43% from the field, 28% from three, 71% from the free throw line. I think if you're drafting Jordan Walsh, you're looking at, here's a guy who could eventually be an elite defender. He's a hyper athlete and he's an instant finisher and weapon in transition for a team, especially if that team is going to get out and run at a reasonable level. Uh, is is there anything I'm missing from the Jordan Walsh experience with that? As far as what you just explained, there's nothing. I mean, he's a guy that he is an elite uh, player around the rim, uh, especially on offense. Uh, you look at the NBA combine and and I always thought I was like, man, this guy can jump out like just standing there. He can jump like I mm-hmm. think he had the number one. Uh, uh, standing vertical in the NBA combine this year. And that's a testament to what he was in high school and in college. So a guy that, you know, he, he will fly around the rim, 
uh, he will he has a really good shot. And don't let those numbers in college fool you, because I think it was, a lot of it had to do with the confidence issue. Because he was a he wasn't a terrible three point shooter uh, early on in the season. I think he got better as the year went, but I think a lot of it had to do with confidence. I think about the Kansas game where he missed two point blank uh, uh, baskets at the rim, and then comes back. And uh, the very next uh, possession, he comes back, hits a three to take the lead against Kansas in the sweet, uh, in the uh, round of 32 last year. Uh, that was the biggest shot I'd ever seen Jordan Walsh make. And and the confidence just just stayed with him. And so I think uh, you, you get if he gets some confidence, I think he's going to develop into a really good uh, and impressive offensive player to come along with his defense. Is he a guy that could come in like he looks to me to still be a little skinny and, and wiry and stuff like that? And if you need him to be a, a defender, is he a guy that you could see if he bulks up being able to guard, you know, like one through four potentially in the NBA? Oh, yeah, I think he can. I think he can at least do two, three, four. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he can actually guard a point guard, but I think if he bulks up, you better watch out because he. He's a guy that I think can uh, be really good once he bulks up. I think a lot of it had to do he he was kind of abused, especially in the UConn game. But who wasn't abused against UConn during their <laughs> run to the fair. NCAA tournament? You know, but but he is he's a guy that I think he can guard anybody. I think he has uh, some good confidence, some some good key traits as far as uh, being a good defender. I think early on in his career, uh, I think his defense will be ahead of his offense. But, you know, I think that I think uh, he'll he has plenty of good confidence. He's had good coaching throughout his college career. And I think Eric Musman is one of the best as far as getting his guys ready for the NBA draft uh, or being selected. And he, and he scored. Uh, I think he was on a team with several pretty good players on uh, in the scrimmages this past week. I think he had 15 point seven rebounds in the scrimmage yesterday. So I think you can look at that as as uh jordan walsh being ready and and maybe being more than ready uh to contribute uh, right away maybe his offense isn't as far behind his defense as i thought as i think oh i love that and i think for me this is a guy just especially with a second round pick you just take a gamble on the physical traits and just hope that the rest of it that comes together and if you believe in your coaching you know then that's even better uh the last question i got for you is sort of circling back to our first two guys here uh, it's from my my good buddy here, Alan Chaney. Alan is an Arkansas alum also, so he watched these guys a lot okay. this year. Uh, he wanted, uh, wants to know if Nick Smith Jr. has a higher ceiling than Anthony Black, in your opinion. Yes, because, you know, obviously Nick was the overall number one player in the country. Uh, you look at his burst and his skill set and his ability to shoot. Like I think mm-hmm. he has a very high uh, potential to be in the probably being the best uh, NBA player in the league since probably Sidney Moncrief uh, that came from Arkansas back in the seventies and eighties. I think he, I think he can really contribute and be uh, maybe one of the better uh, players in the league by year th- uh, year two or three. I think he can. I think he'll be able to uh, be a huge asset to the Wizards if they uh, end up drafting him. And a member, former member of the Bradley Beal elite. So he's already got that connection yes. with Brad. So, uh, you know, maybe there'd be some good two-man game there. And I, hell, we'd love it if he could turn into half the defender that Sidney Moncrief was. Absolutely. I mean, he, I mean, Sidney's one of the Hall of Famers there. I mean, a guy that, you know, had a tremendous career at Arkansas, was on the cover of SI. I mean, that really put the Arkansas brand out there uh, back in the day with Eddie Sutton. So, yeah, I think he I think Nick Smith has the potential there. He just has to, you know, prove that he can stay healthy. 
Uh, yeah, for sure. That would be huge. So I, I think this is a guy that as we hear more and more about these workouts and come up, like we, we could see him kind of make that rise back up through the ranks. And there are a lot of front offices that really do value that high school tape a lot more sometimes when there's especially kind of difficult college context, uh, let's say. Jacob, thank you so much for all the insight here, man. This this is uh, really appreciated. I think hopefully people listening to this will, will trust my draft takes, but it means a lot more coming from somebody that, that saw these guys all year and has a better sense for for them and the full kind of uh, scope of their abilities. So I really appreciate you doing this. Yeah, absolutely, Matt. Hope you uh, have a good day and hope the Wizards draft some hogs, get some more Arkansas flavor there. That's right. We would love to have an Arkansas Heritage Night. Uh, it's sort of our, our theme around here. Um, Jacob, for anybody that wants more Arkansas coverage, where can they find uh, you and your work? Yeah, you can find me at Jacob Scott Davis on Twitter, uh, where you can find my uh, Razorback football, basketball, and baseball takes. And you can also find me at my website, hogcountry.com. That's H-A-W-G country.com. I love it, man. Thank you very much. Appreciate you. And uh, probably have you back on here if we end up taking one of these guys and we can talk a little bit more about fit and all that good stuff too. Yes, sir. Sounds great. All right, everybody. You know the drill at this point. Rate, review, subscribe. We always appreciate those things. We're presented by betonline.ag and we will catch you next time. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.